The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thanks for being with us again today. And we're going to continue in our study to, in Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3, we're going to take a little bit of the time, uh, most of our time, and really kind of break down some, some of these verses in the area of what we talked about, Hebrew poetry. And uh, what we'll do is we'll see the poetry and see what it applies to. So I'd like to have at least one main thought going through the devotionals, if I'm able to do that. And uh, as I was reading, one of them I read, I thought was great. And they talked about the idea that if there's one thing we're going to see in these verses answers the question that might be asked in, in the midst of time of struggle, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of the chaos like we find in our world right now, does Jesus care? Has he indifferent? Is he just a superior being in the sky that doesn't notice? Or is he as intimate and personal in the daily life of his people as some preachers want to believe he is? as I believe he is. And today, we're going to look at how Habakkuk, as he's you know, had that time and that, that debate with God over what's going on in Israel and what the punishment is and all these things, and now at the other end, he's kind of extolling the goodness and great mercies of God. Uh, we see how he responded to that. And so we're going to take a few minutes and break down some of the Hebrew poetry. Uh, and kind of, one, it's, it's neat to see the Hebrew. I, I tell you, it's one of the battles I had in college learning this, the Hebrew poetry. I kind of it was so fluent sometimes, like, where you're going with this. And so I think hopefully this will be a help um, and, and just unique and different in it. So we're, gonna, we're not going to read every verse we're going to look at, but I'm going to highlight a couple. And then what we'll do is remember that what Habakkuk is doing is he's going back and reminding the nation of Israel, really that's talking to God, about what he did when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and all of the things that took place and the great victories that took place as they were brought back to the promised land. And then he talks about how the same thing will happen again. And we take the application that's that same God will do the same thing for us one day. So let's, uh, let's look at verse 8. It's interesting what he says here. Uh, uh, Habakkuk says in verse, uh, Habakkuk 3 verse 8, Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea? That thou didst ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of salvation. Now you see the poetry. Why did he be angry at the sea? He's depicting the time that God took the children of Israel through the Red Sea and picked up the seas. And in the poetry, he's talking about you rode through in victory through this. And remember, remember what happened. He talks about the anger of the sea. Remember, the children of Israel went through as God held back the, his, their enemies with the, uh, was it a pillar, a cloud, of, um, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So they couldn't get through to see them. And as soon as his people were free on the other side, he allowed Pharaoh's army to enter into this chasm that he had put into the Red Sea. And as soon as the army was in the center of the Red Sea, he takes it and he drops the water on down, freeing his army, freeing his people, and taking care of their enemy. So he says, listen, there was a time, remember your ancestors, remember your, your generations, where God even used the, the river to bring you freedom. And there'll be a time, even though you're in captivity, God can use anything to bring freedom. And so we, we see that first unique aspect of the poetry as he talks about how he talks about um, the river. Let's go down to verse 10. I love this one. Verse 10 says, the mountains saw thee, and they trembled. An overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands. 
Here's a thought. Think about the mountain salt. When you think about a mountain, what do you consider? Years ago, I was flying out. My dad was in Colorado, and I was flying out there, and I had a layover in, uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. So as I'm flying, just, just about to come into one, I think, I mean, which airport? Oh, actually, it was in the Denver airport. Flying into Denver airport. And shortly before we land in the airport, I'm looking down, and I'm thinking, man, the ground is really close. I just felt like we were flying low. And then uh, all of a sudden, we fly off this edge right by down in that area of Denver where you see the Rockies just drop. And, and we pass, it actually, you heard people in the plane, whoa, as they're all looking down. Because all of a sudden, tons of feet just dropped below us. And it was really surreal and unique. And, uh, but then I remember sitting in the airport looking up at these mountains. And they were massive. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the Pocono Mountains, but they're not... And I've been in the Smoky Mountains, but something about the Rocky Mountains where it can be a hot day down there and you can see snow on the top. And, but what I saw was an amazing majesty of these amazing mountains. And here's what he says. These mountains saw thee and they trembled. When I think of a mountain, I don't think of something fearful. I think of something overwhelming and frightening, to be honest. You got stuck there. He says, these powerful, secure things trembled. What he's saying is God still has power over his own creation. He's made them amazing. He's made them awesome. And yet there still has great power over them. Remember in verse 11, you might recognize this. The Bible says the sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thine arrows, they went. And at thy shining of thy glittering spear, you remember the time that Joshua was at battle and he asked God to stop the sun. Now, I understand. Why did he ask God to stop the sun and not the, the earth? And there's a lot of debate on that area. Simply because for those days and their limited knowledge, they understood, they just saw the sun moving. We, we still today call it a sunrise. Even though the sun doesn't move, we call it a sunrise or a sunset. It's the same general idea. It's just the way they saw it. What ended up happening was God stopped all the rotations and allowed these two things to stand still, basically stopping time. Wow, because they weren't done with the war and they wanted to finish. And, and by the prayer of God. So God took all of the physical things that are necessary and said, I have power over my creation. Even the laws of science that I have implemented, I still have power over those things. And he did. And so we see another beauty of how he says, look what God did even back in that battle. Verse, tw um, verse 12, thou didst march through the land in indignation, thou didst stretch the heathen in anger as he continued in that battle. Verse number 13. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed. Thou, wouldest the, thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation of the neck, Selah. Now remember the word Selah is a musical note. This is a poetry, kind of a song to God. And, and really as he finished verse 2, he said, remember in your wrath, remember mercy. So Habakkuk is kind of reminding God that even... In the time of Egypt, you, 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 your greatness and your power and your holiness were there, but there was still great mercy being seen. You know, the children, they went against you, they again ignored you, and you had to wander through the wilderness for 40 years, but you still saw your greatness, you still, your, your power and your mercy still came to these people. And so he says, we know, unfortunately, one day, what you've shown me about the Babylonians taking our nation captive is going to happen. But please, in that time, would you continue to show your mercy? Would you show your goodness? Would you show your love to your people, which as you study, we know he did. And so he uses this. I love the idea that thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people. Here's the thought when I started with it, the idea that we look back and wonder, is God indifferent to what's going on? 
Now, let me make a, a thought. Sometimes we, let me, let me give you some of my thinking on this. Sometimes these kind of questions, like is God indifferent? Does God know? Does he even see what's going on? And most of us would acknowledge that we probably would never ask that in church. It sounds cynical. It sounds a bit bitter. Uh, maybe never ask the pastor, although I'm glad to say that many people have asked me that question. I appreciate the honesty of it, to be honest with you. I won't deny the fact there have been times in my life when I have just felt like things are so dark and so low. Lord, do you even notice what's going on? Um, we're human. We wonder. It makes sense. It goes against our own thinking. You know, it's one thing to say where Isaiah said that, the, that God says, your ways are not my ways, nor your thoughts, my thoughts, saith the Lord. And we know that to be true. But it often doesn't make the battle we find ourselves in. Say, Lord, I don't know your thinking, so therefore I can't figure out why you would allow this or what's going on. And, and it's valid. It's very valid. It's very true. Uh, it's legitimate. So I think when we look at this, I think one of the things that in, in this, this great poetry we see where Habakkuk's describing the holiness and the power and greatness of God, here's some great thoughts in the area of application. One, let's just go and look at the application for us in the future. What you see happening right now, none of it stops God from his plan. None of this where God looked down and said, man, I didn't see that coming. As a matter of fact, as he wrote the book and the end of the book, all of this, he knew. Let's say, I don't know if today's the end time. No one does. Uh, we could be taken home today, but that's no, no more true than it was 100 years ago, and no more true than it might be 100 years from now if God tarries. Um, no, set, no president or anything in office is going to dictate who, when God comes. God already knows who is going to be the president of our country when he comes. That's already in stone. None of us know. But let's say it is now. Let's say it is in the midst of all of this. Isn't it awesome to think that God, at one point, when he looked ahead and he talked about, when he told his, friend, you know, his people, in the end days, perilous times shall come. Isn't it unique to think, let's say now is the end time, that God looked ahead and when he saw perilous times, he saw the news in, 20, in the year 2020. He saw the coronavirus. He saw the, the struggle with the battle between police and all these other things. He saw the political unrest right now and he saw the economics. And If this is the year he comes, this is what he was describing. We don't know if it is, but isn't that unique that if this is the year that God looked ahead and saw, which would have meant he saw you in that time, he saw me in this time, whoever is going to be there in the end times, God saw us as he saw everyone else through history. There's the great power that none of this gets in God's way, but there's the great personal nature. This isn't just these three things are happening, get out of my way. This is God saying, I love my people and for their salvation I will come. Ultimately, we know that at the end of the tribulation, the children of Israel will turn back to God. And there'll be a great revival to his chosen people. And in uh, all this time, the you know, church age that we've been kind of waiting, it, it won't happen in the church age, we know that, even though many Jews have come to Jesus. And his, his God's chosen people will come back. Uh, and that's why I believe that the church and Israel are two different distinct things in Scripture. Until then, we have, as Gentiles, been given this great, great gospel, this great truth that is ours. It's a gift from God to us, and we're so grateful for it. And in that, we've been given a promise that one day God will come. I'm glad that in the midst of what I watch, I know God's coming. I'm glad that he is not oblivious to what's going on. There have been times in my life that I've wondered, you be honest with you, you know what I usually notice in those times where I think it's oblivious and the battles I'm in? Those battles were not allowed, did not, I did not allow those battles to drive me to my knees. I allowed them to drive me to frustration. You ever found yourself in this scenario? I have. 
you begin to believe things about God, you begin to believe things about your scenario, about yourself, about people around you that you know aren't true. But for some reason, in just the excessiveness of the hour, it feels it. Why? Because in the midst of the emotional struggle and then just the uncertainty and the battle you find yourselves in, Satan finds a way to get in and fills your mind with lies. Remember, Satan's battlefield is your mind and his weapons are lies. The problem is he doesn't tell you something that he doesn't think you're going to believe. He uses your history. He uses other things and different things to make you believe. And remember, he's, a, he's like a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So he will find your, he, as he watches you, he can't read your mind, but as he watches you and he listens to you, he understands your fears and apprehensions, and he will use those to put in lies into your mind. And in that, you say, man, I don't know, and that's how come we can sway. That's why it says, when you, when you have, lack wisdom and a mask of God, the gifts to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, shall be given him, but let him ask in faith. Continued solid faith in God. Because sometimes when you ask God for wisdom, he will give you an answer that doesn't always make sense. It wasn't, for example, I'll ask God for wisdom, expecting him to say, here, this is one of three things God may have me do. But then I ask for wisdom, and the answer has none of those three things. One, I'm glad. I'm glad that God's wisdom is so much better than mine. But two, but, but that's, that wasn't what I was thinking. I don't know how this can work because we've already calculated this is the answer. This is how it can work. And God's answer is opposite. So I sit there and say, Lord, I don't. That's the point. I trust in the God of whom gives wisdom. So when it comes and it doesn't always make human sense, I still follow it. That is the premise. And that's why we look and we look at what God says here and says, hey, I, I'm here for your safety. I'm here for... I'm here for your protection. I'm here to deliver you. Ultimately, what we're going through, God will pull us out of. Please remember, what we're in is just a result of sin. The world's going to get further and further away from God, which means sin is going to become more and more good, and good has become more and more bad. It's just the way the world's going to continue to go. One day, God's going to yank us out of it. I'm glad that he's not indifferent to what's going on. I'm glad that he doesn't sit back and say, ah, they deserve it. Ah, no big deal. I'm glad that God personally cares for what's happening and how it affects you and me. And I hope you never ignore that. I hope you never overcome that. I hope you always continue to put your trust in God. And there'll be times you wonder, Lord, do you even recognize me? As long as you're willing to listen to the answer, it's a good question. Come to him, be honest, and say, Lord, I'm hurting. Help me in this situation. I tell you what, I appreciate again the privilege to be able to be part of your day, part of your time. Um, if you're watching this live, I hope you come back tonight as we continue to have a Bible study uh, in person at 7 o'clock on the property. There'll be an adult Bible study, there'll be a teen service, uh, children's church, children's service, and uh, social distancing all observed. And so, but if you want to watch online, we'll start live streaming right at 7 o'clock as well. Thank you again for joining us and giving us a chance to be part of your day today. We hope you have a great rest of your day. God bless.